Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. I don't think it's a truck at all. I think we just found a transformer. This is Optimus Primer Button, leader of the auto part junkies. And I'm calling on all auto parts junkies to listen to Nostalgic Radio and Cars every Tuesday at 7 p.m. here on Tantalk. This is Optimus Primer Button. If you don't tune in, it will be the end of the world. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com.
on Nostalgic Cars and Radios. It's No, it's Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, good morning. This is Magnus Walker. I'm sat here at the Momo Tent of Rensport Reunion 5 at Laguna Seca, and you're listening to Nostalgia Radio and Cars. Rock on. Get out and drive. Cheers, man. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. You can uh, check out our podcast there if you've missed any of our past shows. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Gulfstream Motorsports, and what's the latest, Bobby? Periscope at NRC on air. Wow, we've been having a lot of fun with that lady. Why don't you tell our listeners and our... Do we have viewers? We're so used to Periscope. <laughs> You know, we should have periscoped <laughs> the show. We do have viewers, actually. <laughs> You're watching us on the camera at Tantalk1340.com. Yeah, right, right, right. But anyway, uh, And yeah, uh, so. also, um, no texting while operating a radio show. Oh, no texting <laughs> while operating a radio show. Okay, yeah. And uh, don't forget to check out Speed Culture, the mobile enthusiast app. We've been using that quite a bit lately. In fact, you know what? I think it's time for a Speed Culture Minute. Don't you think so, Bobby? Yeah. Uh, oh, that was dead air. Dead air. Dead. <laughs> anyway, hey, it's live radio. Anything's possible. But uh, let's see what do we got on. Uh, what do we got? Well, the big thing this weekend, obviously, is uh, is uh, Meekum's auction in Kissimmee. That's uh, started actually Friday. We were there Sunday. Oh, you weren't with us, Bobby, but we were there. Me and uh, and Hank were over there for a while, so we uh, checked out some of the cars and stuff like that. And actually, while I was over there, I was doing some of these uh, periscopes that you kind of got me into doing. But anyway, okay, so we've got that going on. Now, if we were in Detroit right now, the North American uh, International Auto Show is going on right now in Detroit. And we got the usual shows, you know, Biff Burger and Quick Steak and Lube and uh, Wednesday nights. What do they got going on there? Motorcycle stuff. Next week is the biggie, though. Next week is... Listen. Sco- yeah, that is... Uh, next week is the, uh, the uh, Scottsdale... Collect a car week, and that is just a blast. I mean, you've got six auctions going on. You got uh, Barrett Jackson, you got Russo, you got Goodings, you got Silvers, you got uh, what else we got? Oh, Bonhams, of course, and that other auction that we don't even mention their name anymore. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you're not I nice say to say that big talks worth doodly squat. Right. If you're not nice to us, we don't have to be nice to you because, like I told one guy in a, uh, when I w- we were talking about media credentials, and you're stuff not like talented, you're not funny. Well, I didn't quite tell it, put it to him like that. But basically, here's how this works in the media world. If we apply for credentials, we are a legitimate, bona fide network radio station, network radio show. Correct, Bobby? That is correct. Okay, so that means that we go to these events, and we're there to do meet and greet and interview people and be able to experience the whole event so that we can talk about it. If you can't go there, you can't talk about it. And that's that's one of the things— yeah, that's one of the issues that I have with a lot of people that have blogs or write. They People comment, and they've never been there. Without you, you can't talk about something or write about something or even carry out any kind of conversation unless you've had actual first-hand experience. Do you know how to drive a radio station? Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. Uh, but at any rate, when you go to an event, you experience the event. Now, 
you know, let's say, for example, let's take a race. Okay, we went to the Formula One race. Okay, they were very cordial. They credentialed us, and we got a chance to kind of experience firsthand, you know, the whole Coda experience, which is the Circuits of the Americas at uh, in Austin, Texas. Now that was pretty cool. Sort of the fact that I ran into a glass window at about 100 miles an hour and about ripped my nose off my face. Other than that, in fact, if we had a picture of that, that would have been kind of funny. But nobody YouTubed it, so I guess we're good. But literally, I smacked myself in the window so hard that I literally heard my nose, the skin of my nose and the bridge of my nose, tear like paper. Like, you don't have a sound effect, do you, Bobby? That's it. But at any rate, but that was a, I can talk about that. I was there. I, I experienced. Yeah, that's it. But anyway, I experienced CODA, you know, the the United States Grand Prix. I was up on the little uh, sightseeing tower up there. I walked the whole uh, course pretty much. I was in the media center. I was in pit row. I was in actual pits. I can tell you what's going on. And I got to tell you, and again, I cannot overemphasize this. An F1 race, and I've been to all kinds of races. I've been to Indy races, I've been to GT races, I've been to vintage races, NASCAR races. You hear me talking about it all the time. I have never been to a race as sophisticated as a Formula One race. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, you talk about the fastest pit stops I've ever seen in my life. I mean, these things, these guys came in and they were out in six seconds. Tire changes, boom, fuel, boom, gone. You know, I mean, we're fast here, you know, with NASCAR, and we're here fast with, uh, you know, uh, sports car GT racing and stuff like that. But they're not on a time limit. Well, NASCAR is, but the rest of the races are, you know, they're not really like, well, let's get them in, get them out, like in, 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 in a lickety split type deal. But anyway, so when I apply for credentials, my job is, and, and I'm using races as an example, there's plenty of news and media outlets that cover play by play by play by play. That's fine. That's what they do. Okay. I manage, uh... A Star Wars website. <laughs> and uh, so these guys basically, um, you know, there's there's news uh, journalists out there, there's TV, there's perhaps live radio and stuff like that. But our job... Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Our job is to basically go in there, meet people, and then I'm my job is to come back and kind of tell you, like, you know, the, the human interest side of it or, like, what you can experience when you go to these events because I've done that. So consequently, if I... And I'm generally credentialed at probably 95% of the stuff that we go to. But every once in a while, you get somebody that's a little high and mighty, and their their response sometimes might be, well, uh, your uh, request doesn't meet our criteria. Well, I have an issue with that. So anyway, so as a result of that, we have basically decided in the future that we're just going to boycott those events. We won't even mention them. We won't even put them on speed culture. We won't put them on Gulfstream Motorsports. We won't even talk about them on Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I think that's only fair, you know, because media is clearly a two-way street, and that's the way it should be. If I do you a favor, you do me a favor, you know. that's You scratch my back, I scratch yours. So that's my, that's my take on that. But anyway, we have a lot of uh, stuff going on here in the next week or two. This weekend is also the Cavallino down in uh, Palm Beach at the Breakers Hotel. That is probably the, one of the foremost Ferrari events in, uh, in the United States, which is on Saturday. And then on the following day, Sunday, is the huge Concours. I shouldn't say huge. A very private, very um, boutique-style concourse at the Mar-a-Lago, which is the former... Um, post estate, which is now part of the Trump empire, the soon-to-be President Trump empire. So we're all looking forward to that. But anyway, 
Um, so, Bobby, tell us a little bit about, tell our, our friends what we did a little bit with Periscope. On Saturday, uh, we had some donkeys. We, <laughs> we had some donkeys. No, we didn't have donkeys. We actually went to our good friends over at uh, Porsche of Tampa, and uh, we spent a little time over there, and we talked to our good friend Bill Eichmann, who's the sales manager over there for Porsche of Tampa. And uh, he was gracious enough to give us the set of keys to a 2016 Porsche GTS. So you, Ice Ice Jeffy, and myself decided to take the 920. Or no, it's not 920. It's the the Panama the uh, Cayenne. I'll get it straight here. The Cayenne GTS out to 2016 twin turbo V6 Cayenne GTS out for a little stroll, didn't we? Now, if people want to find out about that, Bobby, where do they go? They go to our Periscope uh, page? Well, if you want to find our past Periscope videos that are more than 25 or 24 hours old, um, you will need to go to our YouTube channel, which is uh, the username is Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So pretty simple to find. Um, but if you want to see some live videos, some good content, and uh, the ability have the ability to comment and join us and join into the action, you can follow us, like I said, at NRC On Air on Periscope. Please follow us. We try to bring you the best stuff, the, some good test drives and some very interesting stuff. So uh, give us a follow and give us a follow on Twitter, too. Okay. Now, what I did when I was at um, Kissimmee on Sunday when I was at Mecom's, is I actually walked around. I did two things. I featured a couple cars. I featured uh, a car that was kind of cool. It was a 68 Pontiac convertible, and it had a 400 in it. It had an automatic in it. It had a, uh, I'm not even sure what rear end was underneath it, but it had a pretty serious set of stickies on the back of it and some vintage Raider-style wheels. So it was cool. Obviously a drag car or, you know, kind of a street strip kind of car. It had a cage in it and everything like that, or a semi-cage. So uh, neat piece. I did uh, a little walk around on that. It was kind of a nice car. I liked it because it has a little four-inch rollies on the front and a big, like I said, big 14-inch stickies on the back. So it was obviously probably a 11-second car, maybe even faster than that. I'm not sure. If, but it had, um, I'd say probably conservatively, you know, somewhere between 12 and 11 because it had a set of 389 gears in it and it had a 400, close to 500 horsepower, uh, 400 cubic inch Chevrolet or Chevrolet Pontiac motor in it. So, on its best day, if that thing hooked up, you know, probably 12s, you know, unless he ran some shorter gears, you know, that big heavy car was probably, you know, 42, 4,300 pounds. So, um, to get that, to, to launch that thing and to get it down the track, you know, under 12 seconds would take some, take some short gears. But at any rate, I did that car. I did a 70 Torino Cobra factory four-speed car. Really, really nicely restored car. Very correct looking piece. I did a 67 or 68 Shelby and I might have done a Copa Camaro, and what I did is I just kind of walked down the line to kind of highlight it. So what I was doing, normally when Bobby's with me, we'll do a periscope, so that means I get in front of the camera, so you can kind of see my my happy face. And uh, But this time I was by myself, so I kind of wanted to try it on my own, so I was actually behind the camera, and I was just kind of behind walking around, filming the car, and talking about the car. And it's actually not bad, because Periscope is live. It's like instantaneous. And what's really cool is you get these followers, and it's all over the world, you know. So you might have somebody looking, and they might be tuning in for 10, 15, 20 seconds. They might be in there for 10, 15 minutes, depending on how long the Periscope is. And the neat thing okay. is, is they can share it, right, Bobby? And, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. And uh, so they can share it, right? So basically, how do they go they back to it? They can share it. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, a button right below the video um, if you scroll up on the menu, and it'll let you share the broadcast on Twitter or with your um, your other Periscope followers. So it's a very community-oriented uh, video app. Yeah, it's one way to share something instantaneously. And then uh, basically, um, 
it just it's the real deal. So it's pretty cool. Matter of fact, uh, a week and a half ago, we actually sold a car result as a result of it. We we periscoped a 1953 Hudson Hornet twin H, and uh, that car that that pitch that periscope, which is probably almost 30 minutes long, included a drive, included a test drive, uh, actually helped sell the car. Now we had a little glitch because what what happens every once in a while in Periscope is it is, is it my phone or what exactly it takes place? Because we actually had like a if you want to call it dead air, we just had a little stretch in there where the phone actually locked up or something like that, and that can happen. So you can have some technical stuff, and it's nothing it's it's beyond our control. But you know it's it's still kind of in its infancy stages. You know the whole idea of Periscoping, and I think it's going to develop into something that's pretty cool. You know. And uh, so again, like I said, be sure and check that out. Now, Bobby, we got a guest coming on the line here, and uh, we're gonna, we have an interesting guest coming on tonight. You know, the auctions are going on. Um, we were going to get somebody on from one of the leasing companies, but unfortunately, their schedule. We had a conflict of schedule, but we do have another gentleman. I'm on the phone. <laughs> uh, we have a gentleman coming on tonight that's an attorney, and what we're going to talk about now. And you hear me talking about this all the time. Since I'm an appraiser, and since I do these, and we talked about this Hudson, these pre-purchase inspections. You know, these verifying these cars because we highly encourage people. Yes, buy a classic car, but but. Unless you really know the car, unless you can put a set of eyeballs on it, you hire somebody that's professional that can do that. And even if the guy doesn't know all the specifics about that particular car, at least if he has enough automotive background, he knows what to look for in general. And if anything looks weird and suspicious, then obviously you say, okay, this raises a question or a red flag, and you make a notation. And you you include that in your report, and you present that report to the gentleman that's paying you to go out and do the PPI. Right, Bobby? Right. So basically we have an attorney that's going to come on our show here in a little bit, and basically we're going to talk about collector car fraud, aren't we, Bobby? Yes, but we got to open up the phone lines real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget, Kissimmee is this weekend. Now, now, we have, we have tonight, if, if you're going to go to the Meekum car auction, I have a set of tickets to the Meekum car auction. If you're not going to go to this auction, and you've won prizes before, and you're just going to pin them on your wall and stare at them, we have an alternate gift for you. We probably have some posters for you. So, having said that, give us a call here at the studio, 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. Or call us at 866-826-1340. That's 866-826-1340. For a set of tickets to Meekum's Auction. Okay, the lights, lights, lights are blowing up right now. If you're going to go, and if you're not going to go, you're going to get a couple of posters is what we're going to give you as a consolation prize, okay? Because I only have a limited number of tickets, and I want to make sure they're going to go to somebody that is going to be deserving and worthy and will attend these events, okay? Because that's what we're all about. We want you to have a good time. If you're going to go to a football game or a baseball game, you know, I'm sorry. You're going to have to get a poster. That'll just have to suffice. Now, this past weekend, also, they had Monster Jam in uh, Tampa for the big monster cars. But anyway, so Bobby's going to queue up uh, once he gets off the phone and takes a couple names. I guess he's got two. I can see the lights uh, flashing there. He's got two people on hold. So he's going to go and play a song. Now, if you guys kind of follow music like we do, unfortunately, we, we lost Glenn Fry this week. Last week, we lost David Bowie. And so we did a little tribute at the beginning because Glenn Fry wrote a couple songs for uh, the Miami Vice series. And uh, we played a little tribute to him at the beginning where he was actually on one episode of Miami Vice. And we played Smuggler's Blues. And we've got another song that we're going to play for him. And then we're going to get our guest on the phone and we're going to be right back. So be sure 
and not to touch that dial, but tell all your friends to tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. Right, Bobby? This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Frustrated looking for car shows? Want the latest in automotive news? How about videos and podcasts? Well, check out Speed Culture, the comprehensive automotive app now available on Google Play and the App Store. Speed Culture brings you motorsports event listings based on your current location. Speed Culture also brings you the latest news feeds, videos, podcasts, and more. Speed Culture, the automotive enthusiast mobile app. For more information, check out speedcultureapp.com and download it today. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer one, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road, near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hey, this is Ted Nugent celebrating the American dream on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. Now, you heard me talking a little bit about, uh, or you hear me talking all the time about um, appraisals, pre-purchase inspections, and things of that nature. And we always talk about, you know, cars in terms of originality, you know, matching numbers, 
And then we get into stuff like re-stamped cars and bogus data plates and things of that nature. So collector car fraud is a concern, particularly if you're getting into big money cars. So this evening we have a gentleman coming on, a licensed attorney that specializes in collector car fraud. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Bruce Shaw. Bruce, are you there? Yes, I am. Glad to be here. Okay, very good. So, Bruce, tell us a little bit about yourself, and tell us a little bit about how people can find out about you. And then we'll go over a couple things regarding uh, seller misrepresentation, uh, odometer issues, uh, auction and Internet problems, title problems, restamping of numbers and trim tags and inaccurate car appraisals and, you know, all that other good stuff. Well, my uh, history goes back, I guess, to when I got out of the service, I started uh, a, a speed shop in uh, Willow Grove, which is right outside of Philadelphia. And we were able to expand that into a chain of uh, three stores in the 60s and the 70s. And uh, we uh, had a very high-tech machine shop and uh, five installation bays, plus uh, selling uh, all the hot rod parts and the modifications back then for the cars. We worked on just about every muscle car ever made, and uh, our cars that we sponsored held uh, national records in super stock. Uh, the 555 triple nickel Ken Montgomery, and we also helped build Project Six Pack, which is super stock's uh, 440 Roadrunner six pack, which held the B stock national record. Uh, from there. Uh, I went, sold the shops, and I uh, went back to school and became an attorney. And uh, as I was also a motorhead, um, uh, actually around 2000 is when I received my law degree, and uh, I would be starting to get these calls with people with problems with their cars. And one thing led to another, and... uh, uh, it just developed into where our practice probably right now is about 75% car problems. We litigate, unlike most law firms, we go from Maine to California. Uh, we litigate in every state, and uh, uh, we've been involved in some fairly uh, serious money-type uh, collector cars as the cars became more and more valuable and as the reproduction of parts became more and more accurate and the uh, copiers and photocopiers became more and more sophisticated it became easier and has become easier for uh, lawbreakers to uh, say take a base model Camaro and make it into a uh, 396 uh, Super Sport or ZL1 Camaro. And, of course, the old joke is with Corvettes, there's more L88 Corvettes now than there ever was. There's more (laughs) now on the market than they ever made. And uh, that goes for probably the most counterfeited cars or the uh, Chevelle Super Sport, uh, the Camaros, uh, most of uh, the uh, big blocks, and uh, your Mopars, your Hemi Cudas, and your 440 cars. And uh, to a lesser degree, 
uh, your Ford uh, lightweights and galaxies and things like that. Interesting. You're 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 hitting it right on the nose because we actually have this discussion from time to time on the show. Now you're you're exactly right. The Corvette is probably the biggest culprit, but I would say Chevrolets in general because from '69 to '71, there's no engine code in the VIN number. You know, '72 and up they did, but '68 to '71. So your LS6 Chevelles your big block Camaros, your SS cars, and stuff like that, those are, like you said, very easy to uh, counterfeit. Now, how how rampant is this collector car fraud situation? I mean, is this something that's an, uh, fairly prevalent, but it's like under the radar, people don't talk about it? Or, do you, or is it just kind of like sporadic? I mean, how frequent is, does this take place, and how busy are you? Well, uh give you an idea how busy we are and of course it's when i started in 2000 uh and i started advertising after i was getting many local calls on just different problems uh by the way i was a ncrs national judge and a bloomington gold um uh, uh observer judge and a uh, workshop uh, teacher uh over the years the uh, I would say that in the beginning, I was averaging when I started maybe one phone call a week. I'm talking about across the United States. Um, As of uh, current, as of January, we are probably averaging one call a day. And uh, uh, that's a lot because there's a lot of fraud that goes on that people don't even know about. Uh, the cars are put in collections; they're not judged anymore, uh, and people are just walking around them and looking at them. Uh, you know when they're shown, and it's usually uh, when these cars, uh, when an expert judge looks at them, or they're taken to a show, uh, that's when they're discovered. Uh, so there's a, a lot of cars out of there. A lot more now are being uh, discovered because uh, uh, of uh, more records are available. You must have heard of, like, PHS, Pontiac Historical Services, uh, which documents all the Pontiacs. Uh, you have experts like Gail and Govier that have a uh, complete database on your high-performance Mopar cars. Uh, you have uh, Marty, uh, the Marty Report for your Ford cars. So uh, in one aspect, it prevents people from uh, counterfeiting these cars. But on the, uh, and on the other hand, the cars that are already out there, uh, it, uh, it, it aids a lot getting these uh, um, uh, databases. Um, so with more information coming out, now Chevrolet has just started to release uh, with the NCRS uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Chevrolet dealership uh, that that in other words you can send them the the VIN number of the car and they're able to tell you what dealer the car originally went to so uh, that's a big help too for uh, gaining more information on the car and checking uh, the uh, 
the documentation that you have. A lot of documentation now with these copiers, you're able to uh, make the invoices, the build sheets, the uh, uh, dealer invoices, the shippers, things like that. You're able to uh, duplicate them and manipulate the uh, uh, paperwork so they look. They're virtually uh, impossible to tell that they're counterfeit. And uh, uh, so, uh, so so when you have the documentation from the dealer, uh, or like the NCRS, like who is the actual dealer of the car, and match it up with your paperwork, uh, oftentimes you see a mistake, and then you know there's a problem. And that we're seeing more and more now, especially with Chevrolet, with the dealerships. Uh, a lot of these cars, the General Motors cars, have, you know, protective plate, which is the warranty plate, like a charge plate uh, that they used back in the 70s uh, for these cars. So for documentation, these people would have these protective plates, uh, which are counterfeited. So you would get this car, and oh my goodness, I have documentation, here's a protective plate. But now with Chevrolet releasing the actual dealers for each one of these cars, uh, a lot of times what we're seeing is that they don't match the protective plate that these people have with their cars. So um, uh, that way we're able to prove, uh, you know, the fraud that these cars were, and I like to call them counterfeits. I don't call them clones. I don't call them tribute cars. Um, they are uh, uh, definitely a, a, a problem. Some are done intentionally, uh, and some are done uh, innocently, where a uh, fellow will take a, say, a 69 Camaro. And when I was a kid, I had a Z28. I'm going to make this into a Z28. And you can buy all the emblems and pretty much everything to make it look just like a 69Z28. He goes and he sells the car, and he sells it to somebody. He goes, now look, this is a clone. This is not a real 69Z28. But I had one when I was a kid, and I couldn't afford one, and I couldn't certainly couldn't afford one now. So I, I made this up to don't ever sell this car as real because it's a clone. Well, three sellers down or three owners down from that all of a sudden the car's real <laughs> right. it's there at an auction it's there at an auction and being sold as an authentic 69 z28 uh because some unscrupulous person decides to uh forget that he was told that the car was not real and uh some people can be uh uh very misled I think one of the biggest things and the biggest mistakes, and I probably wouldn't be in business uh, if it was if for people would take the time that they need before they buy the, the the car. They don't take the time. They don't get anybody to look at the car, and they uh, just buy it over the phone. They buy it through internet sales. They buy it through just pictures. And, uh, and then they wind up uh, being disappointed and defrauded when they when they get the car. Happens every day. Now, what so would I guess you, the question? Go ahead. I was going to say. Sorry. So, the, which cars is it? Is it? It's is it definitely more prevalent with American cars? More, you know, the muscle car yes. era. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because 
there is uh, just this um, older group of people where the the desire is never seems to never seems to have so far faded out for the American muscle core, and they are as much demand or more now uh, than they were ten years ago or fifteen years ago. Um, and that's also because a lot of these cars that are real have been sold away into collections, and there are fewer real cars uh, that are being uh, traded around as compared to before. How much um, uh, uh, European cars, how many European, I mean, what's the percentage of European cars that you get involved with, and what's a typical problem that you find when, you know, what's a typical fraud, for example, or misrepresentation that you find among foreign cars? Um, there, the, the foreign car market and uh, counterfeiting these cars is a, a little different uh, in that uh, uh, sometimes uh, they rebody the cars and uh, actually change the cars, but the uh, detail that they have on American cars as compared to foreign cars, uh, the detail they have on the foreign cars is not as great. And there's more leniency in repairing or replacing uh, in some of these cars. Now, maybe not in a, a Mercedes Gullwing that everybody knows exactly what it's supposed to have. But when you get into some of these more obscure uh, restorations, um, and, and a lot of them to at one time, there were handmade bodies to start with, so they can uh, roll out a new body or a new uh, quarter, and nobody thinks the difference of them. So it's just not as um, as, as as prevalent as as it is with American cars. So the bulk of your business then is pretty much domestic cars then. Right. Okay. That's now, pretty much what it is. Okay, what about 50s cars? Now, we know the muscle car era, that there's a lot of hokey stuff going on. How about cars out of the 50s? You don't really see it that much around there either, do you? But you do see misrepresentation. Okay, so there's a difference between, like what you're talking about, restamping, counterfeiting, fake VIN tags, fake protector plates. I've seen those out there, fake data plates. I got caught in one of those by accident one time. A guy had a Mopar data plate changed. Uh, he changed the color. Instead of being um, um, vitamin C orange, it was uh, uh, the yellow color, which was, I forget what color they call that, but the, it was a Mopar color. And uh, right. so, so, you know, but we didn't even know that until we actually got a hold of the original invoice, and the original invoice showed clear that the car was orange, not yellow. We sold it as a yellow car, and, uh, but we didn't know because it was represented to us by the person that we purchased the car from as an right. original yellow car. So that, that, that kind of coincides with what you're talking about. Now, on the 50s, 60s cars... I've just found cars that were, you know, just all kinds of hokey stuff. Just pretty much, all right, let me say this. With the 50s and 60s cars, early 60s cars, do you run into a, a, a lot of issues with, in terms of misrepresentation, misrepresentation, the quality of the cars? Let's say, for example, like you would find, you would be more, com, more inclined to find cars with the wrong drive lines in them and sold as correct as opposed to, you know, number stamping, casting codes, and 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 phony baloney paperwork and stuff like that would would that be a fair statement? 
Right. Um, the uh, uh, 50 cars, like, uh, let's say we take a, a 50 Ford, um, you could change the uh, the engine. Uh, like they're uh, used like 59AB flatheads, and those flatheads were the same, like 49 to 53. So you could uh, pretty much change one of those flathead engines, and it wouldn't make any difference. There weren't the date codes on them and the things like there is uh, to change on the, the later model cars. But um, also uh, some of the cars, though, uh, don't forget, uh, you know, uh, they're worth uh, a lot of money, like your 53 Corvettes, your 55 Corvettes, uh, your 55, 57 Chevys. So those cars still, uh, uh, the cars that, shall we say, are the beginning of the muscle cars, uh, do lend themselves to a lot of counterfeiting, even though they might not have had protective plates and things like that. Um, it's, uh, uh, you, you know, you usually see the uh, counterfeiting in the uh uh, frames or just putting the cars together where, you know, it's a body from one car and a frame from another and just just piecing the cars together. When you start talking about your, say, uh, I don't know, 48 Fords or uh, 50 Plymouths or something like that, they're not as readily, um, shall we say, counterfeit. They've usually been done over and taken apart a, a, a body off restoration, just like your later model muscle cars, but they just don't have the numbers matching parts um, like your later model cars with the documentation. Okay, and something else that would be kind of common on those cars is a car might just be a regular 265, but now suddenly it's a 265 with two four barrels and a and a and an auto and a glide, and uh, you know it came with it was as was it started out as a 210 and it wound up as a Bel Air. So that kind of stuff comes pops up, right? Something like that on a Chevrolet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, not so much shall we say the documentation, but like the uh, the models uh, are changed. Now, of course, when you get, and uh, maybe I'm carrying this conversation too far, but when you get into, like, say, your 40 Fords, which are very popular, 40 Ford convertible, uh, 39 Ford Opera Coupe, um, uh, things like that, uh, just about, there's so many years that are ex- uh, changeable on them, and that uh, um, you just... Uh, uh, that's just the way it is when the cars uh, or uh, body will restore those early model cars. Uh, very rarely do they have everything that's original, but you really can't tell. It's just there's nothing there to tell. It's just all restored and all uh, finished off. And uh, I don't think it really hurts any of those cars. But you're right. When they take like a, a 55 Chevy or 56 Chevy, uh, and then make it from a two-barrel, uh, say, a 185 horse to a 225 horse with a two four-barrels, and uh, claiming now it's an extremely rare uh, model or option. Um, uh, it's, uh, you know, you see that a lot. 
Okay, and another one that's real common, too, is your 348 cars that suddenly became uh, yeah. 409s, <laughs> two fours, you know, yeah. four to quarter horse cars, factory four-speed SS, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Now, let me ask you this. Odometer issues, okay? Odometer problems. Right. You know, TMU, which we know as dealers, yeah. is true mileage unknown, exempt, okay, and, yeah. you know, clocking a car. How prevalent is that? Well... And how do you how do you document that? Well, the government has caused more problems with allowing cars to have exempt um, status uh, designations on the titles. Uh, and I'll tell you where problems come in. Uh, we uh, litigated a uh, extremely rare. Uh, car that was uh, counted uh, at an auction to have uh, 4,000 original miles on it. And uh, the car looked like it had 4,000 original miles on it. It was shiny. It was it was nice. It was uh, sort of a survivor car. It was not a restored car or anything. And when they got the title, uh, three or four days later, mailed to them, the title says exempt. Well, (laughs) the buyer uh, called up the auction and said, yeah, what's going on here? This this car is supposed to have 4,000 original miles. They said, it does. (laughs) So think about the problem then. Because because it says exempt doesn't mean that it doesn't have 4,000 miles on it. But it, it's assumed, if you're not told, that the car title has 4,000 miles on it to, uh, uh, to back that up. So these exempt uh, mileage statements are uh, really bad. Now, as far as odometers go, almost every restored car... They run the odometer back to zero, and uh, because the cars are exempt anyway, uh, the government doesn't seem to have uh, any type of interest in going after people uh, rolling back the odometers. But turning back an odometer is a federal offense, and in, in, I think in all states it's a state offense. You're just not allowed to do that. Let but me let me everybody inter- does it. Okay, and you're right. Let me go back to the, the exemption thing. Now, for example, being a licensed car dealer in the state of Florida, if your car is ten years old or older, and this is going back twenty five, thirty years, if your car was ten years old or older, sometimes we weren't quite sure what we would do is we would actually write in exempt if we bought an old used car. And consequently, once it's titled as an exempt car and then transferred, it be, it stays exempt. So that's a problem, like you said, because even though a car may only have 4,000 original miles, I can't swear to it because it was sitting in some guy's barn forever. <laughs> and so because the car is 10 years old or older, you know, and the cars weren't real valuable in the old days, a dealer just, and myself included, automatically, under law, rode in there exempt. Here it is, fast yeah. forward 30 years later, and you've got that 53 Corvette six-cylinder car that I found that had a few miles on it. It got passed along 10, 10 owners later. 
well, wait a minute, this car's never been changed, never been messed with. It's an original survivor-looking car. Probably does have 4,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 miles. But somebody wrote exempt in the title. It's there for life, correct? Yep, correct. Okay. And uh, we just had one, as a matter of fact, we're dealing with now, um, where, uh, once again, we had a um, car that was touted to have 20,000 original miles. So the title uh, comes in. And the title in the front um, was the uh, original owner, so it didn't have any miles on the front of it. Then on the back, uh, the first endorsement is uh, 20,000 miles. Then the second endorsement is exempt. <laughs> Whoa. So, so, so here you run into a problem where, uh, you know, what do we believe here? Or what's going on? Why did the person put exempt after that? And, of course, there are nowheres to be found. And uh, so, and then from then on, the title's exempt, as you say. But yet there is a, uh, uh, a transfer on that title showing 20,000 miles. But it's not the latest one. So... Uh, of course, you know, uh, the seller now, of course, is saying, well, it does have 20,000 original miles. That was a mistake. The people didn't know. And uh, it was done out of an estate when the person died and the lawyer wrote it up or something like that. You know, there, there's a, a story for every, uh, for every problem. You're correct. All right, uh, yeah. Bruce, we're out of time right now. I want to thank okay. you very much. Now, here, go ahead and plug your services, your website real quick for our listeners so they can get a hold of you if they want to. Thank you. It's uh, com. Okay. And uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. And they can find all the information they, they need to at shawlaw.com, yeah. correct? Sure. Yeah, com. Okay, very good. Yeah. Bruce, I very want to thank good. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show for a few minutes, and we'd love to have you on again in the future, you know, because we got this auction stuff going on, and a lot of people are getting misled, misinformed, and, you know, being car guys and passionate, we want to make sure everybody gets a good car and gets what they pay for it. So we'd love to have you on again. Again, listeners, I want to thank my special guest this evening, Bruce Shaw, shawlaw.com. Don't forget to tune in our radio show every Tuesday night for the most fascinating legendary names in motorsports. Don't forget to watch us every Tuesday night between 8 and, no, between 7 and 8 p.m. I'll get this straight here, won't I, Bobby? Anyway, uh, next weekend, Scottsdale. And don't forget, check out Speed Culture app, the enthusiast mobile app, to find out where all the car shows are, including Meekums, Kissimmee this weekend, and the Guitar Expo. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Telling tales out of school, but there's a feller in there who'll pay you ten dollars if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.